Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Our top story, could China remotely disrupt U.S. ports at the touch of a button? President Biden signing an executive order to bolster U.S. infrastructure against that threat. We look into what makes them vulnerable. The European Union rolling out its first round of sanctions targeting Chinese firms. That's over their alleged involvement in Russia's war in Ukraine. How are they said to tie in? American universities shaped by funding from U.S. foes. More on why a Heritage Foundation research fellow says the money is undermining American interests. And China faces off with a deep freeze white out across much of the country brought on by an unprecedented blizzard. Could American port operations grind to a screeching halt at the touch of a button from China? President Biden signing an executive order to prevent that from happening. The order aims to bolster American ports from cyber attacks, especially from China. That's because ports across the U.S. share one big vulnerability, Chinese cranes. Ports use cranes to load and unload goods, and 80 percent of the cranes used in American ports are made in China. By design, these Chinese cranes can be remotely programmed and controlled, raising concerns that they could be used to disrupt port operations. On top of this, some officials are worried these cranes could spy for China. They have sophisticated sensors, potentially allowing Beijing to keep an eye on what America is moving in and out of the country. The U.S. military also uses civilian ports for logistics. If you take data that's coming off these EPMC cranes, what you then begin to be able to do is really quantify the, the health of the entire economy of the United States by knowing what we're truly shipping and what we're not shipping, what we're importing and not importing. You can see from a commercial sector what's going on. You can also see from a military perspective in terms of what units are there, what size they are, what sort of gear they're getting in for training, which then strongly indicates exactly what they're expecting to be deployed. Ports are critical for the U.S. economy. Over 30 million Americans work related jobs and the shipping hubs funnel over five trillion dollars to the economy. But they are vulnerable to cyber attacks. One cyber attack could be enough to disrupt operations for days. In 2021, a ransomware attack forced a pipeline company in New Jersey to halt operations. Similar attacks last year forced Japan's largest port to suspend shipments for a day. Zooming out, power grids, pipelines, water systems and other infrastructure have vulnerabilities. And Beijing has been looking to exploit them. FBI Director Christopher Wray warned last week that the U.S. is now seeing China's build-out of weapons hidden inside America's critical infrastructure. He noted that they're poised to attack whenever Beijing decides the time is right. China's hacking program is larger than that of every other major nation combined. And that size advantage is only magnified because the PRC uses AI, built in large part on stolen innovation and stolen data, to improve its hacking operations, including to steal yet more AI tech and data. 
He recently testified that about a Chinese hacking operation busted by the FBI, Chinese hackers broke into the computer networks of some major U.S. water, energy and transportation systems. And they held on to that access for at least five years. The back door could have allowed them to disrupt U.S. water supplies and energy controls. U.S. officials cut off the Chinese hackers' access to those systems, but warned that the hackers are looking for new ways to get back in. Back to President Biden's executive order, it doesn't look to rip and replace the cranes, but it would go on to buy trusted cranes from countries like Japan. It would also invest $20 billion into ports over the next five years. The executive order would also lay out cybersecurity safety regulations for port operators. It's open to public comments until April 22nd. It's not just Chinese cranes that are raising alarm bells. A French company with close ties to Beijing has been buying terminals in U.S. ports from Los Angeles to New York. For more discussion on the new order to limit Chinese cranes, we sit down with Casey Fleming, CEO of intelligence and security strategy firm Black Ops Partners. Casey Fleming, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me. To begin, the Biden administration is announcing a series of actions to strengthen the cybersecurity of America's ports. This is due to 80 percent of these giant cranes used there are made in China. What do you make of this announcement by the Biden White House? Uh, Too late. So it should have been done years ago. Uh, You have to understand and you have to understand and you have to assume everything made in China is made and controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. If it can be weaponized, it will be weaponized. And if it can't be weaponized, it will be weaponized. So I think it's a a great move that should have happened 30 years ago. On that note, this executive order doesn't seek to replace these Chinese cranes, just to reduce the cyber risk and secure the cranes. Now, does that mean that the U.S. takes over the control or how do we reduce risk here? The really focus should be on putting American cranes in and getting Chinese cranes out, because you have to understand, back what we all learned in high school, it's communism versus the free world. So why would you want communist cranes, uh, which can track absolutely everything going on, not just on the cargo, but on the people and the facial recognition and so on? You have to assume all that is being weaponized. And think about it one step further. What if there is a war with Taiwan or a war in the South Pacific or anywhere else in the world where China is a part of it or where China wants to assist. There you go. What kind of leverage does that give to the Chinese regime? It's uh, the, the Chinese and the Chinese Communist Party, they refer to espionage as a thousand grains of sand. Think about that. And so it's any bit of espionage that you can gain from iPhones, from Uh, companies, from intellectual property, from tracking, from what you're doing, what your people are doing. Everything adds up to this espionage picture. Now, this executive order focuses on Chinese-made cranes, but there are other ones. For instance, there's a French company called CMA-CGM that is linked to China, but it has been buying up a lot of the terminals at the ports across the U.S. Now, given that, what kind of leverage does this give to any company, regardless of which country is behind it? There's zero leverage. So, you know, understand the partnership that uh, the French have with the Chinese. It's all about money. So, you know, it's just a a separate front, a different front to the same old problem. It's a CCP problem now that has a French face on it. So you have to look at all these things, follow the money, 
follow the strategy of your enemy and you'll quickly see what's going on. Casey Fleming, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. The European Union greenlighting a new round of sanctions, and for the first time, they target Chinese firms allegedly helping supply Russia's war on Ukraine. Three companies in mainland China were reportedly on the list. They are suspected of sending critical technologies and military goods to Russia, namely electronics and semiconductors. Once approved, the blacklisted firms will be banned from doing businesses with members of the bloc. The latest action comes as the EU looks to stop Russia from using third countries and trade routes to skirt sanctions. Worth noting, Brussels had previously dropped sanctions targeting Chinese companies due to fear of angering Beijing. The new measures marks the EU's 13th package since the war in Ukraine. Besides China, it also targets several other nations like Turkey, India and North Korea. Switching gears to the Israel-Hamas war, China railed against the U.S. Wednesday over Washington's decision to veto a U.N. resolution. The measure demanded an immediate ceasefire in the Gaza Strip, and the draft was proposed by Algeria, a North African nation that doesn't recognize the state of Israel. Beijing's foreign ministry spokesperson described what he called China's strong disappointment over the vote. The U.S. argued that an unconditional ceasefire would only disrupt negotiations for a hostage release. In order to pass, a Security Council resolution requires at least nine votes in favor and no vetoes from any of the five permanent members, the U.S., the U.K., France, Russia and China. The U.S. was the only country to vote against the draft. The U.K. abstained. This was the third time the U.S. had vetoed a U.N. ceasefire proposal. As American students continue to clash over the Israel-Hamas war, concerns are rising about foreign funding and influence on college campuses. For decades, America's adversaries have sought political access to U.S. institutes of higher learning, using a variety of financial means to get it. NTD's Andrew Thomas spoke with an education expert at the Heritage Foundation to discuss how the issue threatens American interests. U.S. adversaries buy influence at American universities through donations, research grants, foreign student tuition, and other means. A recent report by the Heritage Foundation describes how this foreign funding impacts higher education at home. Are there any parts of American university or campus culture that foreign adversaries are trying to exploit? So they're influencing uh, uh, the research that is being conducted, uh, the, the coursework, um, and the kind of more informal uh, student intellectual life. Um, they are directly and indirectly influencing all of those activities. Many of today's college students will become the next generation of leaders and innovators, and U.S. adversaries are looking for any opportunity to influence them and the institutions they attend against American interests. Green says that Iran, Qatar, China, and Russia are the main players we do know about. China, in particular, provides research grants in an effort to undermine American interests. They have been caught numerous times stealing proprietary information, confidential national security information developed in our universities to bring back to China to strengthen um, uh, Chinese military and, and corporate interests. How does foreign funding or foreign investment affect or influence what is taught at American universities? So uh, it influences what is taught um, because, in general, anything that U.S. universities do that might be seen as 
contrary to the interests of large donors or sources of funding, the universities themselves will censor. Green cites the emergence of certain Chinese educational centers at American universities as an example. Another way is, is China has created a series of what, what are called Confucius Institutes. Um, so these are research and instructional centers uh, affiliated with universities that um, offer coursework that would be favorable towards Chinese interests. Green argues that ideas like critical race theory and diversity, equity, and inclusion are foreign imports rooted in Marxism and Maoism. These are ideas that are not naturally American. Green and the Heritage Report's co-authors argue that lawmakers need to pass legislation to ensure that American universities are transparent about the foreign funding they receive in order to protect the national interest. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Next, we zoom in on a blizzard barreling through China. Heavy snow swept across the country Tuesday, disturbing traffic and other activities. According to China state media, nearly 200 sections of roads across eight highways nationwide were closed. The blast continued nonstop until late Wednesday. The whiteout has spanned a number of Chinese cities. I feel like the few days right after the snow is a little bit inconvenient just because, you know, the roads kind of slippery and the, to be honest, drivers are not that considerate. And they drive super fast and just splash a lot of snow on my body. Uh, I think it's quite good to go to work when it's snowing because, first of all, the scenery is pretty nice. China's National Meteorological Center is forecasting sub-zero temperatures to come in many parts of the country. Coming up this Saturday on China in Focus, from slashing tour bus tires to hiring internet trolls and inflicting physical attacks, why is the Chinese Communist Party targeting Shenyun, a U.S.-based performance the regime doesn't want you to see? Here we've got sponsors, American companies, trying to sponsor an American company in Shenyun Performing Arts, and the Chinese government is coming in and trying to pressure them not to do that right here in America. Discover what's really behind over 130 documented incidents of CCP interference against the show and learn why a peaceful meditation practice that's persecuted in China is at the heart of it all. Tune in for an exclusive interview with Levi Browdy, executive director of the Falun Dafa Information Center, on how Beijing manipulates narratives in America. Don't miss it Saturday at 11 a.m. and rerun Sunday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time only on China in Focus. Coming up, more protests breaking out in China. Investigations show less pay and fewer benefits are at the heart of it, pushing Chinese people to take to the streets. Outside China, the number of Chinese students studying abroad is taking a plunge. Experts weigh in on how we should read the shift. And an AI expert joins us to discuss the rapid rise of artificial intelligence, plus the high-stakes rivalry between the U.S. and China in high-tech development. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. The numbers of protests appearing in China has seen a big jump since last July. Reports from research organization Freedom House show almost a thousand dissent demonstrations erupted in the last three months of 2023. And most of them are caused by money problems. Zooming in on the data, over 60 percent of those protest events were tied to labor issues, and 17 percent of them happened in the real estate sector. 
Geographically, the southern Chinese province of Guangdong has seen more protests than any other region. Amidst snowballing real estate crisis and other economic challenges, China has seen more and more unrest breaking out nationwide. Fewer Chinese students are choosing to study overseas. What happened to the globe's largest source of international students? Experts shed light on what's driving the change. For Chinese students deciding where to go to college, one big factor has changed. A diploma from a U.S. university is no longer a guarantee for a high-paying job upon returning to China. In fact, many graduates are even struggling to find work at all. The shift comes as more foreign businesses are leaving China, as the investment environment has been worsening inside the country. Li Yuanhua, a Chinese historian living in Australia, says, Now foreign investments, factories and projects are moving out of China. The needs are shrinking. Now it's actually very difficult for Chinese international students to find a job after going back to China. Frank Xie is an American marketing professor at the University of South Carolina Aiken. He pointed out the high press tag of international study is scaring off many families as they can't afford the tuition anymore in China's economic downturn. The Chinese people don't have that much money anymore. The Chinese communist regime has tightened foreign exchange, making it increasingly difficult to exchange U.S. dollars and other foreign currencies. On top of that, many students find it difficult to pass the strict background check required by foreign governments. Reports prove that many Chinese students have been involved in cases of technology theft while studying at foreign institutions. Because the Chinese Communist Party always steals technology overseas, some of their spies are even disguised as students. These incidents are making the high-tech industry very sensitive. Li added that for Chinese students, the rejection rate for applying to STEM programs is very high. Looking at the U.S. and allies like Japan, Canada, the U.K. and Australia, reports hint that the amount of studying abroad serves as an indicator for international relations. Tensions between China and the U.S., plus the post-pandemic effects of China's lockdowns, contributed to the decline. Based on U.S. official data, more international students studying in the U.S. now than in the past four decades, over 100 million people. But the number of Chinese students has been dropping four years in a row. In the ever-accelerating world of artificial intelligence, there's one question on everyone's mind. Can we hold on to control of AI's trajectory? And with China's rapid strides in developing the tech, the stakes have never been higher. Joining us is Ethan Tu, founder of Taiwan AI Labs, to delve into the whirlwind evolution of AI technology. Ethan Tu, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Now, there's been talks of AI in terms of military development, especially between the U.S. and China. What are we seeing in those realms? How does the two countries compare? Is the U.S. ahead of China? What are you seeing? From what I can see, like in the United States, there are more like, commercial usage of generating uh, AI tools like uh, ChatGPT and the ChatGPT-like uh, AI tools uh, in the industry. But for China, it's more like uh, for more like a uh, help the government to do the like smart city, help government to do the content censorship or the social scoring, this kind of truth. So I would say it's definitely a competition between 
China and United States, or maybe we can say is the the competition between like a democracy country and also the authoritarian countries. On that last part, what happens if an authoritarian country like the Chinese Communist Party gets ahead in artificial intelligence? What what would that mean for the rest of the world? Like ChatGPT, uh, if you use ChatGPT, you can see it's pretty convincing when you talk with ChatGPT because it looks like you know everything. Um, at the same time, uh, he's, he's pretty articulate and uh, expressing uh, what he is thinking, um, most of people will be convinced, even though that information may be misleading or that information may be wrong. So I would say if whoever owns this kind of journey, they are too, it will become very powerful to control, for example, human's mind. Now, Ethan, in terms of AI, there's a lot of stories in the science fiction world. As AI continues to develop, are we going to control it, or could it go beyond our control? If for any uh, corporate or any country, if they own big data with uh, computing power, they can one by one train uh, very large-scale large, large uh, machine learning uh, technology, like a large-scale language model. Um, one by one, <clears throat> pretty much the, that can surpass uh, human beings' capability. If we lo don't look into the code of ethics, if we don't look into the way we make sure the artificial intelligence in a responsible or the trustworthy way, uh, we human might, this year might be the last year we have our free freedom of human's mind to make our selection of our president, for example. Ethan Tu, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. From slashing tour bus tires to hiring internet trolls and inflicting physical attacks, why is the Chinese Communist Party targeting Shen Yun, a U.S.-based arts performance the regime doesn't want you to see? We sat down with Levi Browdy, executive director of the Falun Dafa Information Center, to shed light on the CCP's manipulation tactics used right here in America. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.